0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, my name is Delia Folk, and I previously worked on the buying team at Barneys New York, and my mom, Allison Brune, is an in-demand national wardrobe consultant. We
1: are the co-hosts
0: for this podcast.
1: Our mission is to give access to the often closed, exclusive, and insular fashion industry. In the podcast, we interview movers and shakers in the fashion, beauty, jewelry, art, and entrepreneurial space. We want you to walk away having learned something,
0: feeling inspired and confident. You belong with us and we are better because you are here. We hope you enjoy. Today we are here in the New York outpost of White Cube Gallery with Victoria Hawkins. We met Victoria this summer at an event in the Hamptons. So Victoria, do you want to introduce yourself and White Cube?
2: Yes, um, my name's Victoria and I've worked for White Cube for about eight years now. And then a year ago, almost, we opened up this outpost of White Cube in New York, which is very different from our big galleries we have in London. But this is like a smaller, uh, more intimate gallery that we can introduce people to art and look after them and take them on a journey where they can learn about art as well.
0: So, let's start right in with when you're visiting an art gallery, are there questions that you should make sure to ask, and then also are there questions that you should probably not ask? <laughs> okay.
2: um, I think you, that you should not be afraid to ask any question. I think you should feel open enough to be able to ask whatever you want so you can get the information you want. Unfortunately, I think um, there is a little bit of a stereotype with the art world that you shouldn't be asking questions because we don't encourage you to ask questions. And for example, there's this work here, there is no information on it anywhere on the wall, there's no no nation, no dimensions, nothing. So we don't make it easy for you. But having said that, don't feel that that means you can't ask. Um, I always think asking is the only way you find out information about anything and try and start with what you find most interesting. So it could be, who is this artist? When was this made? Um, how did they make it? and slowly you'll kind of get more comfortable with like what you want to find out and how you want to ask it and usually um you'll you'll come across people in galleries that want to give you the answers even if at first it doesn't look like it so yeah i would always ask okay and then is there a lot of research that you
0: should do in advance before visiting an art gallery um yes or no?
2: again i think It depends on what you want to get out of, and I think you'll learn this over time. If you're starting to go to galleries, I would say before you go, maybe look into um, what the gallery is showing it, which artists, what exhibition they have on. Usually most gallery websites have a small page, uh, an about page, Mm -hmm. which you can learn a little bit about the general gallery. Mm and so you're not going in completely blind. Also, it's a good way to figure out, oh, do I like the look of that or not? Mm-hmm. Um, equally, there's a lot to be said for going into a gallery and not knowing anything, um, because you never know when you're going to walk in and see something and you just click and you're like, oh, I love that. Right. Equally, you're going to walk into a lot of galleries where you're like, oh, get me I don't out of here. <laughs> I don't understand. Or I don't know about this, don't worry, I've studied art uh, my entire adult life and I still walk into galleries and I'm like, I don't like that, or, ooh, I'm not. So don't feel we, or, like, people who are supposed to know about art, also. Yeah, liberal. that's a good point, so, good. Um, there's nothing wrong with you. You can never know everything. <laughs> um, and it's good to not like things as well. You've just got to find, and this is part of the journey, you've just got to find what you like. And it's going to take a little bit of time, but yeah. no. you'll know. By finding the things you don't like, you immediately find out the things you do like. Mm-hmm.
0: So
2: Good advice.
0: It definitely is. Okay, so how can you figure out how much something costs? Is that something that you can ask?
2: Yes. Or you can ask, in any commercial gallery like this where works are for sale, you can always ask the price of things. And um, nine times out of ten, things will be for sale. And remember, a gallery in many ways um, is a functioning consumer experience. We're a shop, mm-hmm. albeit for art. And um, so we are here to also. Like encourage you to learn and love about art, and as a part of that, we can give you the prices for work. So just ask, and Mm -hmm. I appreciate that can sometimes be intimidating, but don't don't be intimidated by it. The person that's giving you the price will often won't be thinking twice about it. So um, yeah, just ask. Good, that's a good 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 thing to know.
0: It's true. And then, so let's say you walk into an art gallery, you fall in love with a piece, and you decide, I have to have this. What is the process like of acquiring a piece of art from an art gallery?
2: Okay, so actually you've hit upon, like, the most important thing is if you're buying any work of art, you have to love it, I think. And you kind of totally nailed that. If you don't love it, regardless of the artist, where you bought it from, then... I don't really see the point because you've got to live with this and you've got to get something from it. And if you wake up every day and you just think, oh, I love that, then that's totally worth it. However, I would always try and get a bit of information and don't feel like you have to make a decision there and then. Um, But I would ask certain things and the gallery can send you this through an email as well. The bit of information about the artist, their CV, a little biography perhaps about the artist, and a really good thing to ask is are they collected or is their work within any, within any collections of public institutions or museums? Um, that's a very good indicator very quickly of kind of the importance of that artist historically in a larger art context. So those are the things I would ask. Um, if you're getting into, a, like, on a longer term, you can also look into auction markets and things like that. But as a starting point, I think those are the key things.
0: Okay. And can you visit an art gallery even if you think that you're not wanting to yes. purchase? Yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. Um, anyone can visit a gallery. Um, again, this is another way that we don't make it maybe the most friendly uh, okay. experience. But yeah, you can always usually all websites have opening hours and things like that so as long as you stick to those times you can go Um, I think the easiest way is to if you have anyone that you know that works at a gallery just get in touch with them and you go to them first and they can kind of help you basically and then say oh you should also go here or here Um, and before you know it you'll start picking up um, places to go and what to see. But yeah, it's just, once you've made that first, like one we'll move, the ball will be rolling, and then it will be good. Okay, so how does an art gallery determine the price for a piece of artwork? Okay, so that's an ongoing conversation between the gallerist and the artist. And the gallery has to price the work, at a point that covers um, the labour, the amount of hours that the artist has put into the artwork, and also all the fabrication costs for that artwork. So, for example, a painting has very different materials in it compared to a bronze sculpture, and those. Will have different price points so you need to bear that into um, consideration. Also uh, whether the work of art is unique or whether it's a print or an edition mm-hmm. affects the price. Okay. Um, if a work is unique it intrinsically becomes more valuable just because it is the only one sure. to exists. Um, But yeah, that's something that goes on between the artist and the gallery, and they try and price it so, uh, fairly price it, so it covers all the uh, things the artist needs and allows allows the artist to make some money to produce further work, Mm -hmm. but also... um, there's a little bit of profit there. You, right, right, you had to make yeah, some really and to sell. The gallery's profit from work basically covers everything that the gallery has put in to support the artist, so that could be PR, it could be marketing, it could be um, spending money to install the work mm-hmm. in an exhibition, or shipping it to an art fair, it all adds uh, up sure. and, and it changes from work to work. And from artist to artist, what they demand, but that's roughly how we do it.
0: Okay, and then so we, let's say that we came in and wanted to acquire a piece of art. Can we try and negotiate
2: the price, or is it
0: final? No conversation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think usually there is an element for negotiation. I will say that's not very much.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Uh, because of how you price the work with the artist, you don't want to be giving huge discounts because you've kind of agreed right. for that artist that you will make help make them X amount and sell the work mm-hmm. in whatever terms. Um, so you want to give them the best deal mm-hmm. you can. Sure. But- Again, the gallery does have the ability to speak to the artist and say, look, well, actually, I've got these people that are really interested in this work. I think it would be really good for you Mm -hmm. to sell this work. How about on this one, we offer like a little 10% discount or something like that. Mm -hmm. And usually, there is an understanding that we can make that happen. Mm -hmm. Not always. Mm, but right. That, that there is that possibility. I'm not saying it would always happen. Right, always of course. Happen, of but course. that that can happen and depending if, on the circumstances. Yes, of course. Right. And that's <laughs> nice. so. The other thing to know is that actually the people that do get larger discounts are museums. And that is because um, it's really important for artists to have work in oh, museums. Yeah because it adds a kind of... Um, oh sure, a Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely a Um And it's great to have that work mm-hmm. passing on public display, mm-hmm. but be brilliant. Um, because, it, especially now, museums don't have very large budgets to play with, mm-hmm. um, quite often the gallery and the artists will work together to mm-hmm. give them a larger discount to make that happen, mm-hmm. because that's got such a graphic task for that yeah, artist.
0: It Okay, so that leads into the next question nicely. So, is the price different for a regular person that comes in, a high net worth individual
2: and or a museum? Always the same. Huh? Whoever you are, the price should always be the same. If you find somehow that that's, that's different, then that alarm bell should start ringing. Okay. You, the price should be the same for everyone and just shouldn't discriminate.
0: Okay, and so from going to art galleries I've heard that let's say multiple people want to acquire one piece of artwork, how does the gallery then choose who gets to have that piece?
2: (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so that actually happens more often than you think it would and it's a bit of a kind of uh, negotiation between the gallery and those clients to place it. I'm not saying that's always easy. Right. <laughs> um, sometimes it's simply a case of whoever. <laughs> yeah, basically Whoever you got your first, um, as uh, the same as it would be in a shop, if you were to go and buy a dress, if that's the last size right. of that dress, the person who buys it gets that dress. Right, right. right. And then there's no more. So it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit the same, the same kind of procedure. But, um, yeah
1: kind of like, is it sort of like um, with, uh, with real estate with a house or something, would they say, well I'll pay this and I'll pay this and sort of get in a bidding war or do they
2: it. Yeah, there can be a bidding more. As a gallery we tend not allow to allow that to happen mm-hmm. um, because of course that adds an element of unfair and mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't really come down to the money. It, that's nice. It should come down to kind of who really loves the work. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. great. And if it would be a really good uh, thing for that artist for those that, people to get yeah. that work. Sure. So it, we you could so easily let it come down to money. Right. So Thank that's God why we don't. don't, because it could it would just be well said yes. yeah. with a lot more than the uh, right. Right. That's, awesome. right. that's yeah. great, I love that
0: and so why is it important for an artist to work with an art gallery so for example there will be the PR or help them get into museums
2: what is the relationship between them? So it's quite a complex relationship between artists and gallery because you're working very uh, closely together all the time actually I don't need oh, to tell you too right. about that you have a good experience yeah. of that um, and so there are ups and downs but the idea is that um, an artist is really at their best when they're being creative and they're producing. Mm -hmm. And anything that takes away from that, um, so them having to think about how to get exhibitions, how to market themselves, how to do the PR for themselves, Mm -hmm. how to sell, that all takes away from their creative time. So that's where a gallery comes in to try and support them and take that off them. Mm-hmm. Um, because of our gallery functions, we have all those connections that we can make that happen. We can put them in touch with like museum cur- curators. We can try and sell their work. Um, we can create those links for them, which then they can reuse in the future, mm-hmm. but it just allows them... That's nice. Almost yes. not to have to worry about that side of it, and, and, also and just to push themselves. Yeah, on, exactly. Because you know. it's hard. And it is. As an artist, what you're doing and what you're producing is very personal. Right. It's a real labour of love, and so sure. you, a gallery, can be that buffer in between yes. the people saying yes. yes or no, so you're not getting some yes. kind of emotion. grasp in that.
1: So you really want to be with a gallery that understands you and nurtures you. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yes, it's, it's a bit. It's like um, any other relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you want it to be a good, like, relationship right. where it's great for both people. Yes. Um, because hopefully you're in that relationship for a long time, and mm-hmm. you're going to help nurture each other. And yeah. so- Yeah, you want to get on with that person. But equally, you want to be more than friends, it's still got to be professional. Yes. So, it's getting that balance, which is amazing, as all with any relationship. It's straightforward, but um, ideally, that's what you
0: want. Okay. Okay, so when an artist has a piece of their artwork in a museum, how does that affect their level of respect
2: and also the market value of their art? Um, It has a huge um, effect actually. It's one of the most important things for an artist to have their work within museums Um, because uh, a museum basically is trying to, uh, in the long term, pick out all these big cultural objects that are Historically um, important to internationally as well. And if a museum, a curator has decided to have your artwork mm-hmm. on the walls of their museum, then there's a reason for that. And it's usually because you you've created something important culturally, historically, politically, socially, and a museum wants to buy that because they want to make that idea, that object available for the general public. And that's an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because once it's in that collection, it's in there forever, really. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you're in that collection with all the great artists, mm-hmm. um, all these beautiful objects. I mean, you just have to go to like the Met Museum mm-hmm and everything is just it really validates Yeah. and that's that's kind of why it's so important and as a gallery that's really what you're trying to push as well those kind of acquisitions and connections because that in the long term is what's really important and eventually yes it it does affect the market price and market value because the more institutions and museums Mm -hmm. you're in the, the gravitas gets bigger mm-hmm. almost, and eventually, ideally, slowly over a period of years, mm-hmm. it will mean that there'll be kind of a market increase. But that's all in line with hopefully how your practice as an artist is growing, right? So,
1: yeah. And I would think, as a gallery, when you have a lot of artists that are also in public institutions, that builds the respect.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A it's kind of well. Knock on fact. Um, yeah. because uh, I mean you're as a gallery you're out there trying to push these artists and say, Look, yeah. they're great, they're great. And when museums start to buy, then you're kind of like, Oh, yeah, they are great. Like and it's like this perpetual right. cycle of right. yeah, so That's
0: great. Okay, so there are some myths or misconceptions that we want to talk through. So, the first scenario is you want to purchase a piece of artwork, but you feel that you're not knowledgeable about artists or up and coming artists in order to do so.
2: Mm -hmm. So, what would that look like? So, I think this goes back a little bit to kind of doing a bit of research, a bit of homework. Mm I also think it's really important to find someone within a gallery that you trust, that you feel you can ask questions, Um, whether it be about one of their artists, the gallery's artist, or someone else's artist. Um, Those people that work in art galleries have usually studied for at least some part of their life in art. So they have... By nature, a lot more information at their fingertips than you do. So I would say use that because Mm -hmm. that is information to be mined and it's the quickest way, probably, for you to find answers. So once you've got that person you can trust, then you can go to and ask them because we, I mean, actually, I'm speaking for myself, but I like it. I like helping people and I don't mind answering those questions um, because. That's what I know about, that's what I love. So, therefore, I can just share a passion. And so, don't feel like any question would be silly. Or, and honestly, just say. I, I mean, I'm totally happy for people to say to me, "Look, I really don't know about this. What do mm-hmm. I need to know?" And show me that. I yeah, and I'm totally happy to say okay, well, let's do it together. And um, I can tell you where to visit and what to do. And yeah, it's not going to happen very quickly, but we can do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the exciting thing, because many years ago, I did the same thing by myself to Mm -hmm. learn what I really liked and what artists I loved. and, Mm -hmm. And I've been lucky enough to make that into my career. But yeah, just ask. Um, but I think finding a couple of people you trust, mm-hmm. that will help you find your own opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Good advice.
0: Okay, so if you love art and you're interested in it, but not necessarily able to purchase or wanting to purchase, can and should you still be visiting art galleries
2: and museums? Yes, yes, um, totally. You can... You can visit any um, gallery, even a commercial gallery like this. um, You can definitely visit. I would say it's probably easier to visit some of the bigger ones, Mm -hmm. which always appear as public galleries. Um, But then museums and institutions are for everyone, that's why they were created. And um, yeah, again, I would just go to one that's nearest to you, where you live, and start with that one and explore and mm-hmm. see what you like from that and then after that you can go to something else. But yeah, I think you should always go because um, one, it's the only way you're going to get to learn and two, that's what they're there for. And it is for everybody. Yeah, totally. And it always has been. sometimes... Uh, how media is it perceives it that it's not right. It always has been, yeah, um, and it will always continue to be. I hope, but um, mm-hmm. it's not always perceived like that. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you need to kind of push that to the side. And it's definitely for you if you're interested. Then it is for you. Great. Okay,
0: so let's say that someone has been collecting art for a long time, and their aesthetic has kind of changed versus in the beginning, yeah. is that okay? How does that work?
2: Yeah, that's totally okay and completely normal um, because when you're starting out you're finding a way and you're finding your journey and this actually links back to why I said you should always love the work that you buy because if you always love it then there's a reason why you, you, you bought it at that time in your life maybe because you, you just responded to it or maybe because it made you think of something or someone or it reminded you of something um, and that's incredibly personal and you can always be assured that no one else would have had that reaction to that artwork and that's what makes it kind of meaningful for you, t- for you. so say if your first piece of artwork a little work on paper, and 20 years later you're like, well, it's not really my aesthetic now. But if at the time you bought it and it mm-hmm. just made you really happy, then that's fine. And um, I think with social media now, um, you see a lot of pictures of everyone liking the same artist or having the same artist in their collection. And I find that quite negative in a way because actually the strength of an art collection is that it's not the same as anyone else's. Um, And if you buy with your heart and you buy things you love, that's how it's going to be personal to you. If you constantly are looking on Instagram Mm -hmm. for who's buying what and you're copying them, Mm -hmm. it's not so interesting. Yes. Um, so I wouldn't worry about your taste changing or anything like that. They're bound to because mm-hmm. our taste changes everything—like what clothes we wear, what food we like. Everyone right. um, changes. Yeah, and so it would be weird if, in a way, like if sometimes uh, your taste your taste changed. It it would be weird to stop them, mm-hmm. and it's okay that. If one day you you say you always only collect paintings, but one day you just walk into this gallery and you see this sculpture and you just think, oh, this is great, and it's okay if mm-hmm. you have a sculpture for a change. Like that's all right, right? That's okay. And you can
1: change if you were collecting only contemporary, and then you decide you want to do yeah. something
2: post impressionist or something. Yeah, that's because because it, not- it might be that if through your journey of. Um, collecting Contemporary, you come across an artist and he was inspired by a 1920s uh, French painter mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, I'd like to look at his work and then you find you like his work and it's okay to then go backwards because yeah. that's part of it. Mm-hmm. You can't know. Everything. It's almost like going deeper. Yeah. So if you do it in a weird order, or, that's fine. You don't need to do it. I don't even know what the proper way to do it is, to be honest.
0: (laughs) And what does it mean to be an artist in today's world? Oh,
2: I think it's probably um, an interesting time to be an artist at the minute. Um, uh, Artists are, they respond to their environment and what's going on around them. So I think at the minute we're I think worldwide there are a lot of interesting things to be said and to be seen Um, but I also think it's getting harder for an artist um, especially within big cities like New York or London um, LA because uh, the cost of being an artist is increasing Um, the cost of rents um, materials all of that and as with a lot of other people, um, it's pushing people out of these kind of uh, mm-hmm. urban spaces. And unfortunately, um, a lot of culture is centered around artists. And when you think about historically, like big movements um, mm-hmm. throughout history that have kind of happened. It's always started with the creative artists, writers, thinkers. Um, So yeah, I think there needs to be something done to nurture that Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully that will happen. But yeah, I think uh, it's always a double-edged sword. There's lots lots of material out there to work on, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean the actual day-to-day living is very easy for an artist.
1: And all the social media components and whether yeah. to do that or not. Yeah,
2: it's a marine
1: field. Yeah. It's a marine mm-hmm. marine field. Another component to this art vertical that I'm very interested in as a stylist, because I get a lot of questions about this, is how to dress in this experience. So, for example, I have a client who recently um, sent me an email asking me, she's she is an art collector in her hometown. It's a small community, though. She's coming to New York to an art opening, and she's very curious about what to wear. So that's what I want to ask you. What would you suggest? Someone's coming from Richmond, Virginia, or um, you know, even Greenwich, or down south, Alabama, or Atlanta. They're coming to New York. They're going to L.A. to an opening, and they... They just want to not stand out. They
2: want to fit in. They, they want to feel equal to the other people and appropriately dressed. First of all, wear something that you need to be comfortable in. So uh, I wouldn't say... Uh Pick something that's usual for you. Um, now is not the time to be making really bold fashion <laughs> statements and changes, um, because you need to feel comfortable, because if you don't feel comfortable in what you're dressed in, you're gonna feel uncomfortable all evening. Exactly. Um, but I think the nice thing about the art world is there is almost every type of fashion that mm-hmm. comes in the art world. Um, But I think you're going to do fine if you dress like reasonably smart and um, I think that's fine. I think the louder and bolder you go, then of course you're going to stand out. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's for a good reason. But if you're just starting out, I would say be comfortable, keep low-key and you'll fit in and no one will kind of question why are you (laughs) there what are you wearing right
1: okay so would you think if it's you know come for cocktails and light bites or whatever it's a nighttime event would you wear a dress or trousers would you wear heels is it is it a little more
2: formal or I guess depending on the gallery and the event yeah I mean I would say for an evening event it's always a little more formal Mm -hmm. um and for example, I would wear kind of, well, I wear trousers or a skirt or a dress. Um, as long as it's kind of smart, I think you're fine. Um, you fine. That won't look out of place. I personally prefer to wear a little heel at least, mm-hmm. just because for me, that makes me feel more comfortable in that situation right like if i had right. to turn up with trainers which actually to be honest probably wouldn't be frowned upon but if i were for me personally i just wouldn't feel smart enough and it's a lot to do right. for me for how i stand right sure so um that might be the same to you or it might be something different that you feel oh i need to have i personally prefer wearing flat pointy shoes or right. you whatever know, right. 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 um but yeah I would say an evening thing always tends to be slightly more formal um uh and day day events or even a opening where there isn't a dinner Mm -hmm. is a, a little bit um, more relaxed. And the reason for that is because at those events, it tends to be more a mix of artists, uh, critics, curators. And so each of those groups of people tend to have slightly different dress codes. And so you can be a bit more relaxed what you're wearing for those things okay. generally. But what about, you wouldn't necessarily wear like a cocktail dress. No, the only time I would probably wear a cocktail dress is for a gala or kind of a fundraising evening or sometimes the kind of... um winter balls and things like mm-hmm. maybe go a little bit more refined and mm-hmm. for that but otherwise unless your invitation mm-hmm. says i would just cocktail
1: attire, black tap yeah. yeah right i agree that's one thing i think some people can be overdressed thinking that it's yeah such a momentous occasion so be discreet polished and what you're comfortable with yeah yeah i think that's great Um, Okay, and then the other question that I think is important is, let's say you, when, when you were first starting out, so you finished college, you have your art degree or your art history degree, and now you're working at your first gallery. It's a big gallery. It's a big deal. You're very excited about it. And now you're getting to go to these nice dinners with high-end collectors or you're doing all these art openings and you're just expected to be the face of the brand but you live in a tiny apartment with five other girls you don't have a huge budget and you want to look the part and you want to represent your gallery well so how what what are some a few key pieces you could
2: suggest that are that are really helpful to have in your closet Um, okay so um, I think it's worth me saying that that scenario that you just mentioned is one that I'm very familiar with and I definitely went through that and um, I do remember starting out in the art world and thinking oh okay well I'm with all these kind of as you said high net worth individuals and um, how do I fit in how do I um, look smart and look like I am part of my brand which was Y-Cube. Um, And how am I making a good impression without the budget that they have to spend on a wardrobe? It's been a bit of a learning curve for me that I naturally am, I dress quite monochromatic Mm -hmm. um, and I just focus more, I mean... I tend to wear black, navy, gray, if I'm partic- feeling particularly jolly, I might branch into a white. Yeah. Um, well, those <laughs> colors are great with your coloring. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you're doing so wrong. I tend to keep like w- very monochromatic, and then I just look for like nice materials or textures to kind of break it up a little bit. Um, and I've tried, slowly to balance between what i would say are quite basic items like basic uh jumpers cashmere um with one or two pieces that i'll buy every so often which i really like and well either i really like or i've spent a bit more money on or um I can intersperse with those basics to kind of elevate my look a little mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. whether that be whether it looks elevated or it's just mentally for me. But um, brands that I like as a result are, are brands like Joseph, mm-hmm. um, Le Maire, um, Jill Sander, okay. I love. So very, very basic paired back mm-hmm. styling. Um, And I try to intersperse that with, I buy a lot from cars, for example. Right, right, that would be Um, great. And I just try and mix it up that way, because you can kind of balance it out. Yes. that's great advice. I try not to keep up. Right. In a way, because I can't. I know, and you don't need to. Yeah. And as long as you find something that works for you and is comfortable, mm-hmm. then people probably won't question what you're wearing. They'll just be like,
1: oh, she seems. Cool. Right, right. And I don't think they would ever outright question, but I think you look your brand. You look like someone that they would trust. You look like someone that is knowledgeable and easy to talk to, but you're also someone that um, might have similar circumstance. You know, you you come from where they're from, whence they came.
2: And I, I think suppose. So for me, the thing to try and get all that information across to people or that message is for me to be comfortable, and I think it's a little bit like mm-hmm. when. Um, you buy a pair of heels that are too big like mm-hmm. too high and yes they look really glamorous but when it comes to walking them <laughs> you can't walk You're and so <laughs> I, I try and make sure I don't buy you can sit down, down yeah because I can't breathe so if I'm in a meeting right. and I'm just constantly thinking about oh, I can't yes. breathe yes. then that's bad for me so yes. I need to try and yes be comfortable I think that's great advice yeah.
0: Okay, and in case you do not have an adorable friend that is English, there are some terms that I want to translate. Just in case you haven't heard of it, you might have. Okay, so dressing smart. So that means kind of like business casual. Well, when you're when you're smart, it's it's the same thing as saying chic. It's a very
1: smart color. It's a very smart look. That's that's a great term. I, I use that term a lot.
0: Okay, and then trainers, sneakers, or tennis shoes. And then jumper is sweater. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: Thank you for listening to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love it if you would go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. The best way for us to know your thoughts is if you rate and review the Style That Binds Us podcast.
0: This will give us the opportunity to know what you'd like to see from us in the future. Follow along on our adventures on social media at the Style That Binds Us, at Allison Brune, at Delia Folk, are our handles. Until next time,